Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Cord Vines and Dye. Sunday, sunny Sunday afternoon. Here well, we go. Well, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> Good afternoon. Hi, Cat Ellis. Hi, Tom Plant. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to Chords, Vines, and Dines. And I am so excited I can hardly contain myself. Oh, really? Tell, <laughs> tell us. We have a sponsor. Yay! Yay! We, we want to thank uh, Melissa's Produce from the bottom of our hearts. Uh, Melissa's is our official produce sponsor. In other words, anytime we want to cook something, we'll send a little message to Melissa's and say we need some lemons, we need some garlic, we need some uh, tropical fruits, we need cilantro, you name it, and uh, we will get it. And also, Robert Schuler, who was our guest last week, said uh, from time to time, if you want to do a, a, a gift for your listeners, uh, he said, we'll put together a gift basket. Ooh, we'll have to have a contest. Yeah. We'll have to think of a good contest for that one. So our, our deepest thanks to our friends at Melissa's Produce, and it's melissas.com. And what we're going to start doing, uh, if you go to Melissa's website, they have got dozens of recipes for virtually every item that they carry, and they have about 1,500 different items. So we'll pull a, pull a recipe out of the hat and uh, call up Melissa's and say, we need this, we need artichokes, we need mushrooms, we need onions, and uh, then we'll, we'll prepare it, and then we'll taste it on the air. Of course, and it's not like we we like to cook or anything. No, no, not, no not us. nothing like that. The sassy mommy here, no, she doesn't like to cook. <laughs> and, and Mr. White Norma's over there, no, never. No, so. no. But what we cook with usually has wine in. I want yeah, to know. Yeah, it does. Has to have wine. We have a Faulkner 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon wine in us today, thanks to our friends at Faulkner. We saw Loretta and Ray at uh, uh, the family winemakers, and uh, we're going to go visit them in. In the next month or so. Yes, and we're going to go visit Mount Palomar this, this week, Wednesday. too. This Wednesday. And so, yeah, we have lots of good things coming, and uh, we have a great show lined up for you today. We just listened listen to Jeffrey Johnson. Yes. I've known Jeff for a long, long time. Mirror, mirror. Mirror, mirror, yes. And you and I were talking about his vocals. I said a little bit of Sam Cooke, and you said Aaron Neville, and I think yep. you hit it right on there. With Aaron Neville, he's got great vocals. Yes, he does. And a nice person, and uh, with his uh, girlfriend, Janie, too. Mm-hmm. I miss seeing them. i got to say, a lot of the musicians that we have on our show have been personal friends of mine for years. Yeah, you're blessed in that arena. I am. I very am. So, 
So we have a nice visit with him that you'll uh, get to listen to. Uh, we uh, visited with Jeff Gillis. Jeff has come up with a new app for your phone called Wine Likes, and I've been uh, getting a sneak peek at it for about the past three weeks. He tried to get you hooked up, and for whatever reason, it didn't work. Yeah, it's still in the in the beta. makings. Yeah. So if you'd like to try it out, send an email to winelikes at winelikes.com. And I think it's going to be officially launched on the 19th of April. That's my recollection. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so we have, have uh, both Jeffs, Jeffrey and Jeff, and we have Rebecca Rosenberg. Oh, who... she was so much fun. <laughs> did I tell you she's going to be my new best friend? Uh, <laughs> you did. Uh, she's going to take you on a little sparkling tour in Sonoma. Yes. I so, cannot wait for that. I have her... to schedule that a few months in it. Ahead, but yes. Her new book is called Madame Pomery and it's part of the Champagne Widows story. We'll, we'll let you tell, let her tell you about all of that. So, yeah, great lineup today. We do. So we've got uh, today is National Autism Awareness Day. Yes. I want you to know that, and uh, which is very important to me. And I think a lot of people are are being more and more aware of autistic yes. kids and uh, and adults. And you know that uh, we had uh, Diane Strand on the show with um, a few JDS weeks, Academy with JDS, and they also work with uh, special needs yes. adults. And so, and they've got a, their uh, Digifest is coming up here. Yeah, soon. we need to make our plans for that. Oh, we got yeah. a lot to do. But they talk about the spectrum with autism, and it really is. A, a, there's so many different ranges of uh, how people are affected with autism. Exactly. It's not all like the Rain Man. No. Very different, uh, which I've learned over the years myself, because when that Rain Man came out, everybody thought, oh, you're autistic, you're like that. Yeah. No, that's not, not true. That's not how it works. But it was a great movie anyway. So. It was. Well, let's get on with the show. Should we get on with the show? Should we go in with uh, uh, Jeff Gillis? Yeah, and hear about Wine Likes. Our guest is Jeff Gillis, and Jeff, please tell us about Wine Likes. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be a beta tester, but uh, let's let's get an overview of what this app is. Sure. Wine Likes is an app that I like to say if Vivino and Instagram had a baby, <laughs> Wine Likes was, it, Wine Likes is that baby. It's really to connect the novice user of wine, I should say, is, you know, where you walk into a supermarket or a wine store, and where do you go from there? And it's for those who are want to take their first sip, and how do they do that? Um, and normally, when you do that, you talk to your friends, you go to a wine tasting, and this is really that culmination of Let's get all the wine community from, you know, an office to a sommelier to get on an app to support a community of wine drinkers, especially uh, those who are scared, you know, it's an expensive fee to get a bottle of wine sometimes. And where do you begin? You begin with wine lights, and we try to point you in the right direction. And with that, you know, we're not just... We have the fun quiz, to, we call it the palate wizard, to find out what kind of wines you like. But also there's fun features such as uh, educational quizzes to learn more about wine, whether you're a novice or you're a level four master wine, um, to the food and wine pairing if you're out to dinner and you know you can't get 
Assam or there's a restaurant that doesn't have Assam. Um, you can pair your wine, your meals with your wine. So you know what uh, right bottle to order or if you're at home cooking and you're trying to find that perfect bottle to go with the food as well as then the biggest feature is obviously the feed where you can see what other people are drinking and it's not really you know where I say see what people are drinking you know most of this with social media whether it's a wine app or it's a social media app it's just bottle shots and it's really we try to say you know you're not just purchasing wine you're experiencing wine and how do we get a user to experience wine and really you know get off the app and really go oh wow this is a great wine I love this wine let me tell my friends about this or let me go find a winery and uh, travel with the app and so it's an all-encompassing wine app so Jeff, speaking of, of babies, wine life really truly is a baby. It's still in beta, isn't it? It is. We will be a worldwide launch in both uh, the Apple Store and the Google Play Store on April 19th, hopefully. So we're finishing our beta testing this week without bugs. We're going to invite some more people next week for the next two weeks, and then we hope to... Uh, launch it on April 19th is our date of launch. Is there a path for our listeners to beta test before it goes live? Sure, they can just reach out to it's, uh, our general email box is winelikes at winelikes.com That's easy enough. I can't wait to try it. It is. Yes, I know. I mean, Thomas showed me his and it, and it looks very exciting. I'm, I'm yes. anxious to see it get going. And it, and thank you, Tom. And Tom was one of the first. It's changed a lot since then. Yes. Uh, we did an event at a local wine bar last week and invited people to come and test the app and, you know, give their input. So we changed a lot around. And we're still, you know, you're always tweaking, especially when it comes to uh, an app it's or technology, I should say. It's clear that you're working fast and furious on it because I see new builds, if not every day, every other day. I mean, it's you're you're moving on it. Yes, yes. I it's like a very the fun, uh, adventure. I like the uh, the food pairing uh, segment where if you uh, buy a wine, you can go in and uh, see what uh, what meal would pair well with it. Right, and that's what we you know when doing our market research, we just found that is really lacking and um, when uh, my before I uh, moved in with my fiance every time she was out with her girlfriend she would take a picture of the wine list and ask me what should I have <laughs> but I'm like there's got to be a better way and she's probably not the only one she's and, not you know, I do that to Tom all the time it's true she does yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just really fun too you know we started adding like snack foods and not just, you know, the generic recipes, lamb and cabernet, what can you really have with, you know, uh, fried pickles, fried bean verde, and really, you know, expand your mind of wines and wine pairings, which I don't think is, you know, uh, really prevalent on what's out there on the apps currently. Well, I feel very privileged to be among the first to, uh, as you said, one of the very first to take a look at it and uh, watch it grow. And uh, I really encourage our listeners to uh, to look for it on April 19th, or like you said, uh, send an email to winelikes at winelikes.com and sign up to uh, beta test it before it uh, becomes a, an official app. 
Yes. I agree. Yeah. Um, what kind of staff do you have? Who who provides this information? I mean, and you've got you must have a really incredible background with what you do to to be able to do this. But you must have a a huge uh, a team behind you to to provide all this information. Uh, I have a few people behind me, but um, we have outsourced. We are, we aren't technology people, so we have a company building the app for us. Um, as well as we have a marketing company, but to input all the information like pairings and come up with the quizzes, uh, I'm probably getting four hours of sleep uh, <laughs> right now. And then we have a staff of three other people who this is a part-time job uh, wow. to help me out right now. So it's just a small little uh, business that hopefully will grow into something big. But yeah, it's just a lot of uh, research and a lot of, uh, I would say, fun and a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think that would be the most yeah. fun job. <laughs> yes. Jeff, we certainly wish you nothing but success. And uh, again, Wine Likes will uh, launch uh, worldwide April 19th. Is that correct? Yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you so much for your time, uh, and wh why don't we uh, visit again maybe a couple of months after you're really up and running. Sounds great. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Chad. That was so much fun visiting with him. I want to be one on his staff and do one of the tastings. I want to taste the fun. wine. Well, I know how to get a hold of him. Oh, maybe we could work for him down, at, down here. Sounds good. And get uh, our Temecula wines into the app. Wouldn't that be fun? It would be. Okay. We got a new project we got to work on. You're listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines, and uh, our thanks to our produce sponsor, Melissa's Produce. Mm. And you know that today is also National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. Wow. And um, you want, want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when we're through here? Sure. You offering? Yeah, I'll make peanut <laughs> butter and, and, um, and one of my sassy mama's fruit butters. Sounds good. So, anyway... Let's go on to Jeffrey, Jeffrey Johnson. Yes. And we already gave him a big intro at the start. So um, let's just go right on into the interview. And then we're going to follow his interview with uh, one of his songs, Weather the Storm. Okay. And then we'll uh, do the game of food a little later. Oh, on. Wait, I take it back. No, we're going to go to Standing on the Edge. Okay. Weather Perfect. the Storm is going to come later. Perfect. Okay. So let's go on with... Jeffrey Johnson. Hi, this is Kat Ellis, and I'm here with Tom Plant. And, Hi there. And we are with musician extraordinaire, singer-songwriter, Jeffrey Johnson. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's great to hear you guys. Uh, you've got such a background. I, I'm intrigued about you. I think you uh, performing on cruise ships. <laughs> that is something else. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll get into that. But how did you get to uh, be a music? How did you start playing and, and songwriting and all of that? How, how, what's your background? Uh, I started playing uh, basically like most guys in uh, in, uh, in junior high, high school, uh, basically to meet girls. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's honest. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I, I just had an interest in music. My 
brothers and sisters sang all the time. They were all into the Motown thing. Uh, and like everyone, I, you know, got caught up in the, uh, you know, Beatles thing uh, when I was very, very, very young. Um, and, you know, just one had an interest in playing music. I played uh, in high school band, band instruments. Um, I played trumpet, trombone, baritone, French horn, and all that stuff. Wow. Um, and, uh, but I found out playing all those wind instruments, I couldn't sing, so... If I was going to be in a band, I had to had to sing. Uh, one of the first bands I joined, the uh, you know I was a, a bass player then, and they uh, you know I, I went in for the audition and was expecting to show them how well I played bass. And the first thing they did was uh, stick a microphone in front of me and ask me, "Okay, let's hear you sing." <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, and we ripped off a couple songs that, um, and you know, they liked my voice, and uh, so uh, it just kind of um, progressed from there. You went on to um, high school, and by the way, did you get to meet a lot of girls in the band while you were in the band? You know, surprisingly, I didn't. I found out later that it wasn't the band members that got the girls; it was the bartenders. Ah. <laughs> you know, they were serving drinks and everything, and by the time I got the um, I mean, you, you can imagine, or you, you know, being around music um, for such for, for a while, it, it wasn't the musicians, because the musicians had to, you know, clamp up their equipment after the show, uh, unplug everything, tear everything down, and by the time they, uh, you know, got all that finished, you know, most of the girls were already, you know, the two girls were picked up by the bartenders. Ah, such was your lot. <laughs> so how did how did you get onto the cruise ships? Cruise ships was a um, that was a, a quite a while after you know playing music. Uh, one my uh, booking agent just kind of asked asked me uh, it was one of his uh, bookings that fell into his lap. He said, "Well, how would you like to go out on um, on a cruise?" And I at first I thought he was just talking about, "Well, it's, you know, just go on a cruise," you know, and he, for a week, uh, but then he and I found out okay, it's a booking. So, okay, well, you, you can't play, you know, you can't bring you know, amplifiers and, and everything on the cruise ship. And and then when I first got there and I saw how big they were, I was going, Oh my goodness, how you know, it was just huge. Um, and, and then you kind of found out uh, after a, a couple of weeks just how powerful the ocean is. Yeah, uh, the waves were just um, unbelievable, and you, and you play for a while, and all of a sudden, the, you'd see people walking down the, the the main aisle called the promenade of the ship, and everything just started tilting to one side. Yeah, and people are starting leaning over. Uh, it was it was crazy to see. It was hard enough with just uh, keeping your equipment on, keeping your equipment steady, but. You know, seeing these girls in high heels dressed up, you know, for the formal night, and they're you know tripping over and you know falling over to the other side of the ship. Um, but you had three month bookings. You you were on for three months, back home for a month, and then back out for three months. Uh, and and I, I enjoyed it. It was the traveling was great. Um, it was uh, I I called it. 
uh, spring break for 40-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> I heard an interesting perspective the other night from a, a singer who performed on cruise ships, and he said you'd, you'd have a week to develop an audience and a following, and they fall in love with you, and then that you start all over again and, you know, develop yeah. a new following and grab a new audience, yeah. and, and the cycle repeats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just just when you get used to a certain crowd, you know they're all gone. And right, exactly. You know, same thing all over again. And speaking of the uh, power of the ocean, I've been on cruise ships where you're standing near the swimming pool, and it's like there there's an ocean in there. It's just the water sloshing from one side to the other. It's 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 amazing yeah. to behold. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was I was in my cabin one night and. Um, all of a sudden, I hear this banging out in the hallway. Um, I thought it was coming from the hallway. Thought, wow, this is just, you know, what's that noise? Um, sounded like, you know, one, you know, all those mop buckets that have wheels on them. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I, I knew there was one out in the hallway. I went out in the hallway. I said, maybe I can, you know, rope it down or something. And just then I saw one of the piano players coming to back to his cabin. His was next to mine. And I said, what's that noise? He said, that's the ocean. Huh. Wow. Yeah, and I said, well, oh, my gosh. And I looked, had a chance to kind of, you know, go out for a walk. Um, and I saw, well, I, I couldn't get outside because the ocean was just, so, the waves were just so huge. Um, and it's just like if we were a tiny, tiny ship. Even though we were great, it was a huge ship. It was a three football field's length. Um but, uh, you know, it was just like a tiny rowboat uh, being out there in the middle of the ocean. That would scare me. I think I would yeah. be really scared. <laughs> it really gives you perspective on what a tiny speck we are compared to the power of Mother Nature. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you kind of feel like you have to put a seatbelt on and go to sleep at night. Yeah. So we've got three songs of yours that we're uh, showcasing on the show, and mm -hmm. I want to—I'm going to quiz you or talk to you about each one of these. Um, what can you tell me about "Weather the Storm"? "Weather the Storm" came about. Uh, it was uh, just at, at first. It's kind of progressed as far as what my thinking about the song is. Uh, yeah, it's, it came about it, at first just a couple friends of mine that were going through some tough times, and um, you know I, I, I was you know dearly in love with them as far as you know being friends, and you know, we all kind of hung out together, and uh, maybe I, I just at one time I just sat down and just started writing and strumming and playing my guitar, you know, uh, you know and playing my piano and. All of a sudden, it just uh, came about. Uh, it was, uh, and as, as time has progressed, it's had a different meaning. You know, I look through the times we're going through right now, um, and you know, just it, it all comes down to just being there for people. Um, you know, we have gotten so separated uh, due to you know things such as you know just social media and everyone. You know, you have the you have Facebook friends and Instagram friends, and then you have uh, the people that you actually interact with. Uh, but um, and then, of course, that whole you know two-year gap that we were all kind of locked down because of COVID. 
Um, we really lost track of a lot of people. So, um, yeah, it just it was just kind of a, a, a philosophy of, you know, if we can just hang in there for a while, um, we can all weather the storm. So. Okay, your other song that we've got here, uh, Standing on the Edge. Standing on the Edge was written by a good friend of mine, uh, Jean Merle. Jean uh, and I uh, used to, we kind of grew up uh, in, the, in the bar business. I kind of started off playing coffee shops, and he was uh, playing open mics and then uh, playing bars. And we just kind of ran into each other and uh, realized that we all knew uh, that we both knew the same songs. And uh, we ended up doing a, a few gigs together. We opened a little river band. Uh, and he is just a, is a great songwriter, great singer, uh, actor, um, you know, jack of all trades. Uh, he's now a... Um, a, a program assistant program director for a radio station in Mobile, Alabama, mm. uh, KZEW. We shout out to you, Gene. <laughs> um, but he is just brilliant, like, uh, light years beyond me, and it's he has a melodic touch that is just. As, oh, I've, I've been. I tell him I've been. A, he says, you know, why would you choose you know, any of my songs to play? I said, no. Yeah, I'm a fan of yours. I'm a Gene Merle fan. Uh, but uh, he, he, when I was uh, writing songs for this album, um, I you know, just was talking to him on the phone and I said, hey, do you have anything lying around that you could do um, that you, you want to, um, that I could record? And he said, well, yeah, you know, I got, he's, and he sent me a handful of songs. And it was it was one of those things. It was like, okay, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. I'll take this one. And, and it was kind of paring down uh, after a while. But uh, I ended up using three of his songs on the album. And uh, "Standing on the Edge" was uh, was, uh, was one of those songs. Well, big shout out to Gene. Yes. Okay, and your third song, "Mirror, Mirror." Mirror, Mirror was a. Um, I had to laugh, and that actually took me about uh, about forty some years to write. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was. I was. Um, I I had a crush on this girl in junior high, and uh, that you know that's one part of the song. And the other, I mean, the final catalyst for for writing the song came about when I was. I was stuck on the freeway on, on, the, on the 15 freeway, coming home uh, from through coming through uh, South Corona, and this woman next to me, um, you know, where she had a dead stop, and she's putting on makeup, and you know she's just you know putting on the makeup and checking herself out in the mirror, and you know putting on more makeup and checking herself myself out and it was just hilarious because she was in her own world she had no idea that you know the other people and I could see through her car went over once in a while the guy on the other side of her was laughing at her also putting on her makeup and I guess it's a skill that you you know as, as a woman that you have to acquire being able to drive and put makeup on at the same time I'm sure cats never <laughs> Depends on um, the makeup. I can do lipstick, but that's about it. Yeah. 
But I mean, that was just one of those things. You know, I, I have never heard that. Uh, you know, the, the, anyone used that in the song "Mirror, Mirror." And you know, the, the, by the time I got home, I had uh, you know words and, and the chorus written. Uh, but uh, it, it kind of does go out, go back to a girl that I had a crush on in junior high. Um, and literally, I was walking her home from school and got to her place and quick, you know, reached out, you know, as we crossed the street, you know, tried to give her a kiss. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it just played out like a typical, you know, adolescent thing of uh, trying to kiss. And it was, you know, awkward. And we were standing in the middle of the street, um, uh, you know, it's, you know rural, it's just southwest Michigan, um, you know, so it wasn't like it was a busy highway. Uh, but uh, she and then she ran off, ran off without saying a word. Uh, and you know, of course, the next day, you know, she expecting her, you know, now she's my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as it turns out, she just said, "No, you know, I, can't, you know, I, I, I can't have a boyfriend now. You know, I can't have a boyfriend yet. You know, my mom won't let me." So. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm, she says I'm too young to have a have a boyfriend. So uh, that's how that progressed. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, <laughs> but it's not. It's an uplift. It, you know, it's a catchy beat, and it's uh, uh, it's 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 sad, but it's not um, meant to be. It's, it's meant to be, a, you know, kind of almost a dance song. Um, uh, and when you listen to it, you'll, you'll, you'll get you know, the, the gist of the song and the whole vibe of the song. Jeff, is the album finished? The album is finished. It is, you can, uh, the best way to get to it, I mean, if you can do it, I guess the easiest way is if you have YouTube, uh, just do a search for uh, Jeff Johnson, whether the song. But uh, if you don't have YouTube, if you have one of the other streaming um, accounts uh, such as Spotify or, or Apple Music, uh, just go to uh, Jeff Johnson, all one, it's all one word, Jeff Johnson dot here now, one word, uh, H-E-A-R now uh, dot com, Jeff Johnson dot here now dot com. Perfect. So I know you're playing this um, on hiatus temporarily. Do you have any other songs in the works that you're thinking about? Uh, yes, I do. Um, I, I, you know, I'm always writing. I'm always, you know, even when I'm sitting and doing nothing, uh, if I'm watching TV, uh, you know, there's so much, you know, or staying up late at night watching MT, uh, not MTV, of course, I wish we had MTV again, um, staying up watching uh, YouTube, uh, just crazy videos and uh, getting inspiration from just everyday things. Uh, you're looking for that, that that catchphrase, like mirror, mirror. The first time I thought, well, you know, that's kind of catchy. And, and it just all fell into place, you know, with that song. Uh, just, the, you know, the, the term weather the storm, you know, uh, you know, I've heard people use that in different instances. You know, okay, if we can just weather the storm, you know, if you know, things will work out. Or, and, uh, and 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 other other situations like that. So you know, uh, I don't want to give away titles to other stuff, but I'm always writing down things. You know, uh, what would be a great name for a band? 
uh, I write and I write it down, and or actually now in this age, I'm putting it on my iPad. Um, uh, what would be a great name for a band? What would be a great title for a song? What would be a great line for a song? And uh, and usually, so every once in a while, I just go back to that, and you know, if I'm if I'm writing, you, know, you actually um, motivated to to actually put things together. I'll, I'll look down and I'll at my iPad and say, okay, now what do I, you know, what do I have already in the works? Uh, and a lot of times, what you, what I thought would be a title for a song, would end up being uh, just a line for a song, or, or vice versa. Um, they just all throw together. So. Now, when you're driving and and you get some sort of inspiration, do you bring up your iPad real quick and talk into it so you don't forget, or do you try to remember these things till you get home? What do you do? Uh, yeah, I, I usually, you know, on iPhone they have memos um, and um, voicemail or, or voice memos. And I would just record a melody, you know, sing a melody into a, into the phone. And, uh, you know, I usually don't have my tablet um, with me because it's just, you know, more cumbersome. But on my phone it's kind of the same program, so... Uh, I'm a slave to Apple, just, you know, I'll just like so many of us now, and uh, you know, I'll pick up voicemails and and just sing something into uh, into the phone and record it until I have a chance to look it up again. And that's the other source um, besides you know things I've already been sketched down. I mean, I, I'm not the one that that person that uh, that sits down and just writes every day. Like, uh, um, I, I, I got to see one of, um, a great performer, uh, one day, and I, I talked to him and said, oh, how often do you write? And he looked at me and he had a puzzle, and he says, I write every day. I said, I hate you. <laughs> to find that inspiration every day to, to write something. But, um, you know, I, but it's, it, it's there every day. It's, it's, it's the, the, um, the catchphrases, the melodies, they're there every day. I wake up every day hearing something. Do you remember that old song, Fairy Across the Mercy? Oh, Fairy, yeah. Of course. He said that he got he He was, um, you know, that whole thing that was going on in Mercy, England, uh, and he was by the fairy, and the king was just waiting for the fairy to come. And he said, oh, my gosh, this, this, I'm never going to remember this. And he called home to one of his uh, friends and said, get the tape recorder going. And his friend is going, well, you know, what's going on with you? you know, are you having a breakout? He said, no, get the tape recorder going. And he sang it to the tape recorder over the phone, mm -hmm. uh, even way back then. So, um, Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a great I mean, song, it, too. It, 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 it's one of those things where it's very, you, it's, sometimes you just get bombarded. Um, with with ideas, and sometimes, unfortunately, you just draw a blank. There's right. nothing there, uh, and you know I, that's more when you want it and it's not there. It's probably the most frustrating thing. Uh, but uh, but it's, it's usually there. Um, you know, I, I wake up sometimes, play a little game with myself of, okay, uh, what's my song for the day? And usually by the time I wake up in, in the morning, it's like, okay, there's a song that's going around in my head. Okay, do I know this song? 
and that's some of the weirdest things. And of course, now with um, different uh, uh, streaming formats, so you can always find out well, who did that song. Have this collective consciousness where um, there's you know melodies and rhymes and things. And, you know, I, I say at one time that you know, you know, next to my girlfriend, um, my best friend is my rhyming dictionary. Um, uh, you just go there and, and you, you, you literally you can just pick out a word and then, you know, it'll give you another, you know, a, a, a word of rhymes. And then, um, you know, have pages dog-eared, um, you know, mark, uh, bookmarked, uh, of, you know, different, you know, songs that are, not songs, but words that rhyme. And, uh, it's a, it's, it's a great tool. Uh, it's kind of old school. That's how Bruce Springsteen wrote Blinded by the Light. He used the rhyming dictionary. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just now thinking of that song. Uh, you know, I can't imagine because as you hear the lyrics, you're going, my God, what is he thinking? Red Dog introduced <laughs> another yeah. honor in the night. Well, Jeff, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on our show and um, really oh, look forward to hearing Thank more you of your so music. Much. It's been a real pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. Step by step, just a little bit longer. Try to run and you're bound to fall. Heart to heart, make you a little bit stronger. And you're bound to give it your I don't know just what I'm looking for, even though, Lord, I know on and on we live our lifetime through a series of lovers and friends so it seems we gotta keep going and you're bound to reach to the end who's to blame
and dines as Cat goes searching for her microphone. There it is. Well, I usually have it on the stand, and I took it off, you know, while I'm monitoring the, <laughs> the board over here on this side. And, and that was... I set it down. I couldn't find it. <laughs> Jeffrey Johnson. and uh, Don't you just love his vocals on that? Yeah, and he does remind me a lot of uh, Aaron. Aaron Hatter. Neville, definitely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And what a great song that was, too. That was... Um, on top, of, say on top of the world. Uh, oh my God! Standing on the edge. I want to say on top of the world. Standing on the edge. Sorry, Jeff. Very nice. Very nice indeed. Thank you, Jeff, and thank you to Melissa's Produce, our uh, our produce sponsor for Cords, Vines, and Dines. And we're going to have all sorts of fun with that. We're going to be eating really well, and we're going to be having fun with their um, produce. Cat, what time recipes. is it? Oh, it's God. time for the game of food. Pick two cards, any two cards. Any two. You want to go first? Okay. And the category is? Ingredients. Okay. What spirit traditionally gives the classic dessert, Bananas Foster, its flame? Rum. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what were the choices? I'm sorry. A, brandy. B, rum. C, gin. Or D, banana liqueur. That was pretty easy, actually. All right. Okay. That was an easy one for you. Okay, and under people and pop culture. Oh, gosh. What was Richard Nixon's sad last meal in the White House? (laughs) (laughs) Was it A, an egg salad sandwich? B, pineapple and cottage cheese? C, fried ham and deviled eggs? Or D, sirloin steak with maple syrup? Number one. Who cares? (laughs) <laughs> uh, my guess would have been number one, but I would said D. Sirloin steak with maple syrup. Yeah. B. Pineapple and cottage cheese. That was his last meal in the White House. Again, who cares? <laughs> Whoever wrote the game of food, I guess. I guess. All right, you have one more for me. Oh, regional dishes. Okay. Where did English muffins originate? A. <laughs> Austria, B, United States, C, England, or D, Scotland? I'm going to say United States. You're right. God, I hate you with these <laughs> games. You're no fun. Okay, finally, cooking tools and techniques, and I'm all sorts of fun. Well, not at this game, you're not. Yes, you are lots of fun, but not at this game. <laughs> Adding a pinch of this ingredient to your next pot of beans will make them softer and creamier. A, baking soda, B, cream of tartar, C, cornstarch, D, sugar. I say baking soda, A. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding. I've cooked beans before. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. 
Okay, well. Okay. So it's two to one. Yeah. <laughs> not very ladylike of you. Oh, that was very That's lady. where you typically say, bite me. Yeah, well, <laughs> bite me, Tom. <laughs> All right, our uh, next and uh, final guest for uh, this week was Re Rebecca Rosenberg. My new best friend. Yeah, Rebecca lives in Sonoma, and I got uh, acquainted with her last year. She sent me uh, a copy of a book called Champagne Widows, and it came pretty much out of the blue. And beautiful cover and uh, autographed and with a little postcard and a note on it. And I went, this is a pretty cool lady. And then uh, just uh, passed three or four weeks, received a copy of, of uh, Madame Pomery, which is her next book in the Champagne Widows series. And I'll explain to you, or I'll, I'll let her explain to you what Champagne Widows are as we uh, talk with her. And I want you to know that I love Bubbles. Yes, you do. So when I make a reference in there that my middle name is Bubbles, <laughs> you'll understand why. <laughs> and Rebecca wanted me to remind uh, our listeners that she uh, is available. She conducts... Uh, tours uh, through Champagne, France, and oh. she really, I think you'd uh, be hard-pressed to find a better tour guide than Rebecca. Oh, she's great. All right, should we get to our interview? Let's do it. We are so fortunate to have Rebecca Rosenberg as our guest this afternoon. Hi, Rebecca. Hey, how are you? I'm terrific. I'm here with, uh, of course, our host, Kat Ellis. Hello, it's me. Hey, Kat. How are you? My middle name is Bubbles. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that kind of sounds like a stripper name or something. <laughs> well, that's another life. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rebecca, you have a new book out called Madame Pomery, and uh, yes, it's part of the um, Champagne Widows series. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Tell and us a little bit. Champagne. Go ahead. Yeah. The Champagne Widows uh, novel came out last year, and it is uh, about the first woman of Champagne, Bouve Clicquot, who we all know with that beautiful orange label. And she was the one in 1800s as a 24-year-old who went on to make um, Champagne, even though Napoleon was raging 15 years of war through Europe to take over everything, and he had made it illegal to export her champagne, and she actually fought him, and it's a really, really exciting story how she fought him and got her champagne through to Moscow at wow. the very moment that he was trying to um, win over Moscow, and he saw her champagne, and he was furious. So that's a fun story in itself. But well, I've always loved Pomery champagne. Kat, have you ever been to Pomery? No, I haven't. Kat has never been to France, believe it or not. I know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, last year, I led a tour of the Champagne region. And, of course, I took everybody to the Champagne Widows uh, wineries because I love their stories. And my favorite is always Pomery which has a beautiful blue and gold label. And I was checking the prices, and they're, it, they're actually not too bad, maybe in the 49 to 59 for their um, lower-end champagne. But the reason that Pomery is so amazing is that they have eight 
15 kilometers of the creers below ground. And the creers are those tunnels that are dug underground, and that's where they store all the champagne. So you get to go down in these amazing tunnels, and Madame Pomery loved art. And she lived in uh, 1850 to to 1899, so she loved art, and she made gorgeous art throughout these 18 kilometers of tunnels underground. So today you can go, and they have new art exhibitions every time I go, and I usually go every other year just to see it. It's amazing. So check that out. I haven't been to Pomery, but I have been to Veuf Clicquot, and what an experience that is. Why don't you share a little bit of uh, what it's like to visit Veuf Clicquot with our listeners? Well, I love I love Veuf Clicquot. So both of these widows, so Veuf Clicquot again started her champagne making in about 1815, and she actually was still alive when Madame Pomery was widowed in 1858 and so she was the only one who helped madame pomery at all but back to your question tom the the both clicquot creers and that's a fancy way to say caves um are dug out of chalk and they were actually dug by the romans way back when and they were quarried the chalk for use in medicines and in building and all of that sort of thing. And so the French just found these creers and actually Vogue Clicquot was one of the very first ones that found the creers and they thought that would be a wonderful place to store our champagne. And that was a giant issue for all these champagne makers because champagne takes twice as long in fermentation as wine does. So you can make a wine, and it can be ready the next year, actually. But champagne goes through a double fermentation, and it will at least, the very least, it's going to take two years. And it usually takes four or ten years to get that really yummy, caramelized flavor of champagne. So they needed places to store all this champagne, especially since in Veuve Clicquot's time, and she had to put up with these 15 years of war where they weren't allowed to export their champagne. So she was gathering lots and lots of champagne. In fact, her first ship, oh, I have to tell you this, so funny. So it was illegal to ship their champagne. So what did she do? She hired an American ship, not a French ship, American ship, and she put all of her champagne in coffee crates (laughs) and she relabeled them all so that whenever they hit inspectors, then it was an American ship and it's in coffee and there was no problem. And that's how she got it through Napoleon's uh, blockades. What a smart lady. Wow. I I loved her story. I just love it. But Madame Pomery was a different story entirely. She was 40 years old when her husband died. And 
Um, the women were not allowed to own businesses unless they were widows, because then if they're widows, then they have to support their families. And that's how all these women become champagne widows, um, because that is when they would really get to do a business and, and exceed at it, excel at it. So uh, Madame Pomery had never worked before. And yet, at 40 years old, she had to raise her son, who was in law school, and she had a little two-year-old daughter at 40, so that must have been like a mistake at the end of the day. <laughs> but she she decided to make champagne, and everybody thought she was completely off her rocker to do that because champagne is twice as hard to make as wine. And she went about it. Well, little did she know that the Germans were going to invade France. They invaded France, and for two years, there was the Franco-Prussian War. And where did they headquarter? But in her home. Wow. So the, the head of the Prussian army actually headquartered in her home, and she had to deal with him while she was trying to make this champagne. And, of course, when you have... This is like half a million German troops in France. They are pillaging all the champagne. They're stealing it and they're drinking it and it can leave everybody bankrupt. So what did she do? But she went to the city dump and she started tunneling into these ancient creers and she hid all her champagne under the city dump. So I just like love her story. It's what, so exciting. What smart ladies. This is amazing. It is. And and how wonderful <laughs> of you to, to retell her story and, and the Veuve Clicquot story. Uh, are there more books to come in the Champagne Widow series? There is. There, um, Bollinger is a very exciting story. That's Lily Bollinger. And she actually um, adds a lot of glamour to champagne because she brought it to, who, who do you think drank a lot of Bollinger champagne? Do you know? I don't. 007. Whoa, James there you go. Of course. So she figured out how to elevate her champagne and make it exciting again. And she famously said, I only drink champagne when I'm happy and when I'm sad. Sometimes <laughs> I drink it when I'm alone. And when I have company, I consider it obligatory. <sighs> I trifle with it if I'm not hungry and I drink it when I am. Otherwise, I never touch it unless I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love her style. I love I that. That's so I perfect. can't wait to write hers either. But I love I love these women. They have an amazing story. So Champagne Widows is a very fun series to um, look into if you love bubbly. Rebecca, I saw a picture of you and your husband in a lavender field, and you've written a book called Lavender Fields of America. Yes. Well, that lavender field is my yard in uh, Sonoma. So when we moved here, we have five acres. And when we moved here, we knew we couldn't grow grapes because that's to grow grapes, but you can grow lavender. So we founded the largest lavender company in America called Sonoma Lavender, mm. which is still exists. And um, it's uh, it's a wonderful hobby of ours. We've redone the lavender gardens now, so they're really beautiful. 
all different kinds of lavender. Well, I certainly encourage our listeners to uh, run out and buy uh, Madame Pommery and uh, maybe to start with Champagne Widows. Uh, and uh, they're really fascinating. They're so well written and you really capture the spirit and the feeling of the times. And uh, I, I'm so excited you've done this, Rebecca. Well, thank you, Tom. I'm glad you read them. How did you, get, you, how did you get started in writing these? What gave you the idea? Well, these. I love champagne. I've always loved champagne. And we have been to champagne territory probably six times now. And I heard these stories and how can you not want to write them? I've written two other books also about women. So I love to write books about women whose stories haven't been told, you know, these exciting, interesting things that they've done. So it seemed a natural, especially since I live in wine country and my one of my best friends owns Breathless Sparkling Wine. Do you know that? I don't. I'll have to check it out. Breathless Sparkling Wine wins many, many awards and sweepstakes awards, and it's up in Healdsburg. And you'll see that their label is the is the um, image that I used for Champagne Widow's cover. Oh. So it was a great tie-in. So we're Champagne Girls from way back. So, Kat, you'll have to come hang with us. Oh, I would love to. That, <laughs> I have an open have, invitation. Oh, thank you. I would have so much fun with that. That would be such a treat. Yeah, definitely. I'll bring the cheese and crackers. Okay. <laughs> Well, my girlfriend who owns Breathless, she serves caviar and potato chips. Well, there you go. <laughs> Even better. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty yummy. I'm right. headed to Napa at the end of April, so maybe I can swing over to Sonoma. Well, please do. Just, you know, let me know, and it would definitely be fun to host you at Breathless. We'll do a little sabering, which uh -huh. is something, you know, that Napoleon came up with. Exactly. This big saber, and he would go through town, and he would steal all their their champagne, and he would lop off the tops with his saber. Yes, I've seen so it done. I saw it done in, Sp in Spain once. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. Can't thank you enough for your time, Rebecca. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Kat. It was fun to be with you. Oh, thank you. And we'll post reviews on Amazon. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome, Rebecca. Take good care. Thanks, Rebecca. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Vince Mendoza, and you are listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. Well, thank you, Vince, and you are listening to Gord's Vines and Dines as Kat once again goes on a search for her elusive microphone. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of, kind of careless over here, aren't I? Oh, Wasn't well. that a great interview, no, though, with Rebecca? Amazing. We should have a, a bottle of champagne popping here or something. So I would encourage you to go out and find a copy of uh, Madame Pomery, which is her latest book, and also Champagne Widows. So, uh, and uh, if you could leave a review on Amazon, she would appreciate it immensely. And uh, reach out to Rebecca if you're interested in doing a, a tour of the Champagne region of France, because I don't think you could be in better hands than being with her. I would love to do that. I have to get everything in order, but I would love to do like that. Like a passport for starters? Well, besides that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that would probably help. It would help. But in the meantime, I have to get up to Sonoma. 
Yes, you do. And um, I, I would sit there at, with uh, caviar and uh, potato chips. Yes, at uh, Breathless Wines. At Breathless, yes. I was going to go to the Breathless website and check it out. We should. And uh, maybe get some, some bubbles. Well, somehow we've done it again. We have uh, reached the end of another uh, riveting episode of Chords, Vines, and Dines. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, thanks to our uh, friends at Melissa's Produce, our official produce sponsor of Chords, Vines, and Dines. And our sponsors, Wynormas. And Sassy Mamas. And Sassy Mamas. And then we're looking forward to going to Mount Palomar and interviewing next week. So we have another great show coming up for you next Sunday. Yes, we do. Easter Sunday. musical guest to be determined. Yes, definitely. All right, so we're going to finish off with... uh, with Jeffrey Johnson again, we're gonna we started off with his Mirror Mirror, and I kind of cut it short. So we're gonna pick up where we left off with Mirror Mirror, and then go on to Weather the Storm. Perfect. See you next week.
Taking my time cause it's all that's worth taking Give you my heart cause it's all that I own Making no wave so I'll finally stop shaking I'll open my arms just to welcome you home Slay the dragons that gave you your fears 